So we are in third John today. Last week we looked at second John this week, third John. Uh, and and as we do look at that, I think it's just important uh, just to kind of review second John just real quick for you. In second John, John exhorts the church to continue to walk in the truth, to love one another and to be on guard against false teachers. And this week he's going to talk about like the true teachers and how we are to embrace them in third John. I mentioned to you that like in New Testament times that uh, what happened was um, uh, the Romans built roads. And when the gospel began to spread, the people would use those. And there were itinerant ministers and preachers and church planters and missionaries that would travel uh, throughout the cities uh, of the world. Really, they were going to spread the gospel throughout the world. And so uh, as that was taking place, as they traveled through towns, if if they were in a place where a church was already established, they would go into that town I and mean, walk along and find out where the church was meeting. At that time, the church did not have buildings. And so they would meet in homes and they would probably go and find that home and spend time there. And, and it would be understood that, that the church would welcome them in. If they were a true teacher, they would ha- hear what they had to say. They would allow them to spend the night probably at that home where, where the meeting was. And then they would send them on their way to and bless them in some way to help send them out uh, to share the gospel. And so this would be taking place. uh, And it's something for us. Sometimes we think of hotels as really nice and all that. And we would say, hey, just go stay in a hotel. That time they were not. And so it would be one of those things where people uh, regularly probably open their homes in some way. I also thought about like some of the older pastors I knew when I started uh, uh, in the ministry as a vocational kind of minister, uh, they told me about the fact that used to like in a, a small town in a country kind of setting, uh, if you went to that town, and you were a young minister, they would say to you, uh, uh, if, if you just kind of showed up at a service, sometimes they would call upon you like immediately to come and give a message, you know, and you kind of had to keep a sermon in your back pocket. And so at that time period, that was probably even more common too. people even in America traveled uh, uh, great distances into all these small towns and planted churches not many years ago. And so it was, it was a kind of a different time. We still, though, can understand this. We have people that are missionaries. Our church has really had a lot of people visit us that come here and they share what they're doing. And uh, it's, a, it's a really um, powerful thing. You see this all throughout the New Testament. The Apostle Paul received this kind of hospitality and other disciples did. And so that was just something that we kind of I think it's something that you just understand takes place. Now, a couple of things, uh, other things I might say is Second John is about being discerning to decide whether they are in the truth. Third John is saying if they are in the truth, this is how you treat those who travel and preach and teach. So I think today if you said, OK, what's the application as a church and maybe even individually is that we should strive to live or I would say and individually we should strive to live generous lives. We need to have like a bigger vision than just ourselves or our, our immediate family, but also a bigger vision for our church. There's a gospel to be spread and God has called us to spread it throughout the ends of the earth. And so we are to participate with others in this endeavor. Uh, this reminded me of uh, the story of William Carey, who's known as the father, father of the modern missionary movement. He felt called by God to go into India. Some people um, actually... Uh, he, he would have been in churches very similar to ours with similar beliefs. And, and some people opposed him when he said, I want to go and spread the gospel to the nations. Uh, but there was a band kind of of brothers that supported him. 
And uh, Carrie said to them, I will go down if you will hold the rope. There was a man named Andrew Fuller that throughout the rest of his uh, uh, ministry held the rope. And he was one who said, look, Carrie, you go into the dark places. I'll be on the other end supporting you. And I think as a church today, we have to say, and as individuals, you have to say, I, which end of the rope am I holding this time in, in my life? Am I the one gonna, that's going to go down into the dark places, the unreached places, or I'm going to be here holding the rope? So wherever you find yourself, you need to understand we have a responsibility in that way. So let's start in Third John, verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, who, whom I love in the truth. Um, as I said last week, the idea of elder, it's, it's, the le- it's leaders in the church. John calls himself an elder. He's both an apostle and an elder. Uh, but he is, he is a leader in the church. The church uh, has to have someone to give oversight to it. Uh, they are the primary teachers or oversee also the teaching of the church. Uh, in the book of Titus, an elder was to be able to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict sound doctrine. Uh, because the church is founded on the truth and it is the pillar and the support of the truth. You have to have people that will guard guard the, the church against error and that will help build them up in truth. So we see that. He sees himself. John is that. Evidently, John has a very close relationship, a very pastoral relationship with the people that he is writing to. So I think it's, you know, we just you have to understand that now. Also, John is writing to this man, Gaius, which very likely was another leader in the church. And he says uh, that he loves him in the truth. His relationship with him was built on the truth. And, and we have to understand that, too. Like we said last week, there, we don't always have the same personalities. We don't always naturally connect with every person in the church. Uh, but we have a relationship that transcends personality, gifting, resources, uh, likes and dislikes. We have something that transcends that, and that is the truth. That God has saved us. He's rescued us. He, he's brought us into relationship through his son. And that should transform our, our relationships with one another. So verse 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you. And that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Now, you might say, okay, is this guy that he's speaking to, guys, is he sick, physically sick? That, that, that is a possibility that he is, he is struggling physically. Uh, it also is that, you know, anytime we think about someone's life, we could say emotionally, physically, uh, in the area of, of financially or whatever. He, he's saying, like, I hope that you're, you do well, that you, you're, you're in a good place, uh, physically speaking, in this world. So that, that's something that you could say. We, we could say it could be physical, just a physical ailment, but it also could be that just that he would generally do well in this life. Now, we're going to see why. Why would that be important? Because of the ministry that he's been called to, it necessitates that he is able to fulfill that calling. And so he says about this man that he is spiritually doing well. He, he is doing well. And I think that's, that's very important that you understand that. He, he is doing well, but he, he really just wants him to continue in that and to be able to fulfill the calling and ministry that he has. I don't know. Have you ever been in a place spiritually where you felt like you were healthy and that you really had a desire to do something, but maybe you didn't have the means to do it? And, and I think that's kind of it's like, man, you could have 
a lot of desire. And sometimes you're saying, God, please allow me, provide the resources, provide the physical strength, provide whatever I need in order to fulfill what I believe that you've called me to. Because we don't want to waste our time and resources and talents. Verse 3 and 4. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. He reports about it. Evidently, these brothers have, have told them. He's told they, they've told John about what Gaius is doing. They came and testified to how he was living. And you have to think sometimes, like, what would people say about you? I mean, what would you be known for? What, what do you re- if you're honest, really honest with who you are and what you're doing, what would you be known for? What would people report about you? What would they say? These these things like this reveals who this person is and how they're living and how they walk with the Lord. John finds great joy in seeing this man living a life worthy of the gospel. He, he's kind of the picture for us of being a faithful Christian where you are. After talking to my dad on Friday, he said, you need to define the truth here. You need to make sure that you define what is the truth. Because we're talking about walking in the truth, but what is the truth? I think I thought about it and I thought, well, we'll, we'll just read uh, really all the way through John's uh, uh, writings, all these letters. He talks about the truth. And, and I thought it, it's really always centered in the Son, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want you to hear our statement of faith for our church about who Jesus is. In our statement of faith, this is what we believe about him. God the Son is the second person within the Trinity. God the Son came to earth as a human being in the person of Jesus Christ, living a perfect life in every way and providing an appropriate sacrifice in order to redeem those whom the Father has given to the Son. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man, during his life on earth and continues to be fully God and fully man to this very day and will continue forever this way because he is both God and man. He is the perfect mediator to provide for our salvation. This man believes the truth. That's what John's been testing all along. What does it mean for someone to believe the truth? It is to believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God who became flesh, dwelt among us to save us from our sins, to hold fast to that. He is holding fast to that truth. Now, what does it mean to walk in that truth? Throughout John's writings, we found out that to walk in that is to love the people Christ loves. It's to love the body. It's to be generous towards others. It's not to speak ill of people, but to bless people with our words, with our thoughts, with our prayers, with our actions. Everything that we do, we're saying we want to, if Jesus came and died for these people, then I want to live a life that looks like that. If Jesus was walking beside me and he was the one, the model for me, and he is, we know the scripture presents him to us, how he lived, how he loved, how he served, how his heart was towards those who were repentant, broken people who came to faith in Christ. We saw him saying, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He was about blessing people. And so we say, if we're rightly walking in the truth, we will be a blessing. We will seek to bless. Again, listen, with our words, our thoughts, our actions, bless that, that, that people would be ministered to, that grace would flow over them as they spent time with us. 
That we would be known by that. That's, that's, we would be known by a generous spirit towards others. That's kind of the idea. You see this, this generosity that's going to overflow from this guy. It's such a powerful testimony of who this man is. And it should be what you're known for. You should be known for that. You should be known by those things. By generosity. By seeking the good of others. Verse 5 and 6. Beloved, it's a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers. There's a picture here of him extending himself, of giving himself, of making every effort to bless. For these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. He's walking in the truth in a very tangible way. He is serving strangers. He's serving people he does not know. People that he has never, they just kind of show up. They just are dropped into his lap. He does not know them. He just meets them and then he blesses them. He understands that they are giving their lives in service to the church to Christ, they are missionaries on their way to reach the nations. They're establishing and building up churches. And he says, I want to participate with them. I want to bless them. I, listen, have you ever said, I don't have time. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. I don't have time because I'm so busy in my own life. I just don't have time. And you, then you start making a list of all the things that you're doing and say, how important are these things in comparison to eternity? There, there's just something we have to do a lot of times and say, whether my life is perfect, whether everything's laid out in order, that is not God's primary concern for me. God does not say you are to live a perfect orderly life and it's supposed to look like this and everything's supposed to be in order. Here's the deal. When I do that, when I start living like that, I do not have time for others. Nobody ever calls that selfishness, but it could be totally loaded with selfishness. And so we're always having to fight against only thinking about my little world and looking outside into the world that God has called us to reach. Part of the way we do that is by blessing those who are going to be sent to the nations. John understood this kind of ministry in Matthew 10, 7 through 14. In, in this passage, he speaks to um, Jesus, speaks to the disciples and tells them to go out with the, the, the gospel of the kingdom to heal the sick and to to cast out demons and, and to do all these things. And when he does, he says, don't take anything with you. Do not take money with you for uh, uh, you, you deserve a, a worthy support. You, you deserve support for what you are doing. It is a noble thing that you're doing. And so he said, as you go into a house, if you're received well, bless that house. They were to go out into the world, trusting God that he would provide their needs. And as they went out and God brings people to faith, those people will bless them and say, take it to the next place. That should be something that we see a model 
throughout the work that God is doing in our lives and in the lives of others. There's a church in, in there's a church of Philippi who did this with the Apostle Paul. Philippians 4, 14 through 19. He told them it was kind for you to share in my trouble. And this is when Paul was in prison. And you Philippians, you yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. They saw that as a partnership, as a part of the same team, we're striving with the same message, desiring to see the gospel spread. He said while he was in Thessalonica, they sent help for his needs once and again. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the, the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That, that's a powerful thing. So think real quick, this man he's writing to, is, his name is Gaius, and he desires to help those on the way to spread the gospel. And he wants to bless them, and he wants to bless them in a very powerful way. And John says, I'm praying that you will have the ability to do so, that what you desire to do spiritually would be able to be fulfilled physically, that you could do the work that you're doing. It is a great work. It is a noble work. People are hearing about it. And so some of us, at different, we're all at different levels. You might say, we don't have a lot of extra, but we always have to say, I may not have an extra, but God can do this work through us. He can accomplish that. Some of you have a lot of extra, and you have to be thinking, how can I, God has given me resources, not just for myself, but so that I can be a good steward in the advancement of the gospel. We see that throughout the New Testament, people doing so. Verse 7 and 8, for they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. What is the name? It's the name of Jesus. They're going out in the name of Christ. They're going out to proclaim the name of Christ. They're going out to the lost world. Gentile is the way of saying the lostness of the world. Certainly they're going out to Gentile people that are non-Jewish people, but it's a way of saying we're going out to places where they've never potentially heard the gospel. And as we go... We're not asking them to support us. That would be kind of a weird thing to go to a group of people and say, hey, I've come to share the gospel message to you. Give me some money. Show me the money and I'll hand you the message. Is that, you know, we'll trade. I've got a product I'm going to sell you. It's not that kind of deal. What he's saying here is you go. We're going out into that world. We're asking for nothing and giving you everything. But somebody's got to support that. Somebody's got to provide for the resources to do that. Now, are we all called to vocational ministry? That might be a good question. Sometimes people say when I was a younger, uh, when I started really wanting to like study the Bible and get serious about doing that, they would start, you ought to be in the ministry. And I, eventually, of course, I was in the ministry. But it's not it's not like everybody's called to that. It, it's not that's not it, does, it wouldn't work that way. There have to be people that do that as a vocation and there have to be people that don't that provide support that help build that and strengthen that work. All of us are called to advance the gospel, but not in the same way. Some of you 
will be holding the other end of the rope while others go down to the dark places. And you need to do that. And that is a great work. That is a God glorifying work. That is a marvelous work that you are able to participate in that. Notice what he says, support them in a manner worthy of God. Let me ask you this. What is God worth to you? What's he worth? Is, is he is he really like, do you consider him your chief treasure? If he is of infinite worth. What would you do with your finite worth to show that that he is of infinite worth to you? You should make his want to make his name known. It is the greatest message that you could ever share. Now, listen, I've got a couple of things I just thought about this week. Some of them kind of hit very close to home, but I'll just mention them. Worldly people say I make money for myself. Worldly people say I can use my money to build my kingdom, to make my name great for my own profit and pleasure. God's people say God is of infinite worth, and so I will use my finite worth for him. We should say to the Lord, what I have comes from you and I want to use it for your good and the glory. I mean, your, your glory and the good of others. Worldly thinking is what is the bare minimum that I can get by with and still be in good standing with God? Godly thinking is what is the least amount that I can live on so that I can make my resources or use them for the greater good of the gospel? Worldly thinking is that I want to store up as much as I possibly can. So I can retire and play. Godly thinking is that I want to make as much as I possibly can. To bless as many people as I can. With the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Worldly thinking is that I want to leave an indelible mark. On my children by the treasures of the earth that I leave to them. Godly thinking is that I want to leave an indelible impression on them. Of sacrificially giving. And leave a legacy of a life lived for the glory of God. And his renown. You do have to think about that. We have to think about that. We, we do not just work for ourselves. We work to bless others. To serve others. I've been blessed personally from this church. And it's generosity. Just a, that's a reality. You guys allow me to do what I do. By the grace of God and for his glory. And it is him working through you. No question. But you you get to you do that and you bless us. But you also bless other families. Our church has blessed many different families. I was thinking this week about how um, we had some traveling missionaries coming to town. I remember uh, Carl and Wendy's family that came in uh, last year and, and they they um, I, I wanted to talk to them beforehand and ask them a little bit about their ministry and their beliefs and all that kind of stuff. And we said, hey, they they everything we know, they're of the truth in spite of Carl being, you know, family. But no, I'm just kidding. But but they were um, they we found out that they were and it just as as we as they came to see us or whatever, the church was generous towards them and we blessed them. It was like uh, one one day here was like they received over seven thousand dollars to help buy them a vehicle that will take them around to share the gospel. It was a Wonderful thing. And so I think as a church, we have to say in the coming year, will we be more generous than we were before? Will we seek to bless others? Will we participate with them in the gospel? 
help them see as like help people like go and spread that so that other people see and understand and grasp the gospel message. Now, as we keep going here, you'll notice that we see this great example and then a really poor example. Notice here in verses nine and ten, this message concerning Diotrephes. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So I come, I will. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us and not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So John's already kind of sent something to the church about this, but evidently the, the, this guy is rejecting all authority. He's he's rejecting the authority of the apostle. I mean, that that's a very insane thing to do. They were the authority. They were given that authority by Jesus. They were commissioned by him. And so this arrogant jerk in the church is sitting there and saying, look, I'm not going to listen to anybody. I've got my own opinions. I know what's what I want to do. This is what we're going to do. And so he's not like given. Listen, he is not given authority. He takes a, he takes it. He says, I'm in charge. I have a right to my opinion. I'll do what I want to do. And that's what he's doing. And in his arrogance, he is seeking to overthrow the authority of, of, of the church, of the leadership in the church. And he, he somehow he's come to the conclusion that that's OK, which, again, John is going to address him. He says about this guy, he's not only has this uncontrolled tongue that seeks to destroy the fellowship with wicked nonsense. He's not only like running his mouth, but he's also throwing people out of the church if they want to help in the gospel message being spread to the world. This guy is like he is out of control. Now, what's going on with him? Maybe he's just kind of stingy. You know, we don't know. Maybe he's someone who um, doesn't really think that the gospel message needs to go to the nations. Maybe he doesn't like where they're going. Maybe he doesn't like Gentile people. Maybe whatever. Maybe he was just kind of mad at John. You know, we don't know exactly what was going on. Or maybe he's just one of those people that says, I want my way and I will stir up until I get it. So we don't really know exactly what he is doing. But we know one thing. He is in the wrong because he is cutting off support for the advancement of the gospel to the world. He's fighting against that. It's like, how could you do that? How could you know that the gospel could go throughout the world? How could you know that there are missionaries out there that are not being supported? People wanting to go and you're sitting there in your bitterness and anger and rebellion against authority and you're holding withholding the gospel message to the lost peoples of the world it's craziness it's not thinking clearly it's not thinking like the gospel calls us to think so what is taking place here is a horrific thing and on top of that he's saying anybody that has a generous missionary's heart needs to get out of this church That's the wildest thing. I mean, it's just wild what's taking place. And John will address it. We are to be the exact opposite of that. 
So John's writing this guy as a faithful servant of God. He encourages him for the great work that he is doing and being a blessing to these faithful missionaries who are traveling through as they do to provide for them and to help them on their journey as they seek to share the gospel to the nations. He addresses this man who is rejecting the missionaries, kicking people out of the church for wanting to help them, and he will address him face to face. Now John's going to mention one of those faithful ministers that are there in this church or that come to this church or maybe is coming. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth himself. We also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. So he says this guy is worthy of imitating. He does good. He pursues the things of God. He loves the word of God. He teaches the word of God. He loves people. He's seeking to take the gospel out. This is somebody you want to encourage. This is somebody you want to bless. This is somebody that you want to hold up. This is somebody that you want to stand alongside. This is somebody that you want to make sure he feels in every way that in his darkest moments that there are people praying for him. This is somebody, support people like this. Anna and I have friends. We went to Southern Seminary. Most of you guys know that. But we went to Southern Seminary and there was a great movement among uh, the, the, the Baptist group there. They were sending people out of that, that seminary, uh, many different people. And of course, as they went, like it was just a beautiful thing. Anna has friends all over uh, the world and, and some of those I've met and been able to have relationship with. And, and a lot of those people, I'm telling you, out of sight, out of mind, people forget about them. And so we as a church at times have sent out care packages. We've prayed when they're in this area. We tell them to come here. We want to bless them. We want to help strengthen them. We're, we are constantly looking for and probably should be more aggressive in ways that we can serve people that are spreading the gospel to the nations. And John is saying, do this. John says the truth bears witness. That means what this guy is teaching, that it lines up with what the apostles had given. John bore witness. He said, we know this guy. And everyone who knows him says he's faithful. This is a good test for whether or not someone should be like uh, encouraged to move out into the, to the world and be helped in that way. Is Do people, godly people, see in their lives faithfulness that should be seen, like should be, uh, we should say, hey, send that guy. He would be the greatest of servants out there in the field. It's a great picture of even that. So as we conclude today. You, you, I just want you to think about uh, how you are personally involved in helping those who are taking the gospel to the world. When was the last time you prayed for someone? Or sent them a note of encouragement? Or financially supported those who are doing this kind of work. When was the last time you personally did something like that? Some of you are financially supporting the work here. And a portion of that is sent out. And I would say keep doing it. That's an awesome thing. It's a beautiful thing. We don't always get to meet those people every time we send checks. We don't get to sit down with them. But it's a tremendous thing that we get to participate in that. Some of you need to start. Some of you are financially supporting works around the world. Keep doing it. Enhance that. Keep 
And I, like it's not just money that you're sending. You do whatever you can to help in that way. Keep doing it. Some of you need to begin to. And some of you may say right now, financially, I can't do something like that. But you can do a lot of stuff. You can pray daily. You can go and, and, and you could go and, and, and like send out an email to those people. We have emails for people. If you want to invest in somebody, do it. Make make your life about seeing the gospel spread to the nations. You need to ask today. Which end of the rope has God called me to hold at this time of my life? And by God's grace, ask him to make me do it well. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word. We love and, and, and treasure the opportunity to sit before your word. Lord, it does convict us. It does reveal where we sometimes are so introverted and so about ourselves. We don't want to be that way. We, we, we know there are, there's things that we're supposed to be doing. There's work that we need to do. And it does take a lot. But we ask, Lord, that you would cause us to use our time wisely so that we might bless others. So we might be a blessing to people we'll never meet. So that we may one day stand in the presence of a small people group that because of our sacrifice and because of the sacrifice of one we met, they heard the gospel, that they believed it. We may stand there in heaven and hear the nations and see the nations represented and know that at our time in history, we did something about that for your glory and the good of the nations. May we as a church never, ever, ever neglect this worthy calling. May we be known as faithful servants of yours. At whichever rope end of the rope we dwell in today. In Christ's name, amen.